0: Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the Television Graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Houlihan, and we have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we'll analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, or only one episode. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Hooligan. uh oh a <laughs> Oh, that was accurate, and I hated it. <laughs> uh, so today we are doing the 1987 unsold pilot, In the Lion's Den. In the Lion's Den.
1: Not Into the Lion's Den, or Lion's Den, which I think was a law show that our patrons also sent us.
0: Ah! <laughs> so, uh, this aired... As something, uh, as a part of a series on CBS.
1: Right. And if you watched before you listened, uh, then you might be having flashbacks to one of our previous episodes.
0: This aired as part of the Summer Playhouse only about two months after Puppet Man. Yes! So not only was
1: this similar to Puppet Man... It aired in the same slot as Puppet Man.
0: Yes. And not that far away from Puppet Man either. I would not blame any person who mistakenly thought they had just caught a Puppet Man rerun.
1: Or, like, could you imagine sitting down and watching Puppet Man and, like, loving it? No. (laughs) Okay, understandable. But... Say somebody watched Puppet Man and was like, that was pretty good. I'd give that show another chance. And then two weeks later went back to the same time slot thinking that maybe it'll be on. And finding this show and just thinking, what did they do to that show?
0: Where's Puppet Man?
1: Where's Puppet Man? A quick disclaimer. uh, It is raining like crazy right now. And this is our only time to record. So if you hear a little wind, we apologize
0: for the wind. Yes, and you're going to hear a little wind. Yes. Also, I poured a sparkling water right before we started recording, and I swear it is the loudest sparkling water I've ever consumed in my life.
1: (laughs) You got a real carbonated (laughs) one.
0: Like, I can hear it, and I'm like, oh, I know the mic's picking it up. Did you notice I was trying to hold my hand over it? I did.
1: I don't think the mic is picking it up, but... (laughs) It's
0: so loud.
1: If you want to go back and try to find the sound of carbonated water in this podcast do so now anyway let's get into the lion's den which is not the full name it's not into the lion's den
0: we open on a puppet lion bemoaning the rain
1: yes so it's atmospheric if you hear rain right now
0: yeah it's on it's on theme
1: and because it's raining you know what he wants to do i want to play football play football like why are we
0: telling kids to go play football in the rain i mean if it's not lightning out well, here's the thing, <laughs> it's
1: supposed to be lightning, but the lightning misses its cue. So the puppeteer controlling the line's like, I'm quitting show business. Six years I've been at this and I am the only one that cares if it's any good. I'm the chump. Well, no more. Mm-mm. I am out of this thankless snake heap of a business once
0: and for all. <laughs> the puppeteer throws a Tanty
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and his name is Keith.
1: Yes. So Keith...
0: Has a tantrum, quits show business, and then the producer, Jerry, mm-hmm. says... Whoever upset Keith like that, and you know who you are, <laughs> you've done the right thing.
1: <laughs> yes. So, Which is a mood. Yeah, they they very quickly establish that this is what Keith does. Yes. He... Uh, comes across a minor miscue or inconvenience and yells about how he's the only one that cares about the show and no one else cares and storms out and quits show business. Yes. And then Jerry goes and talks, talks, him, talks down. him down. So we get the scene where he's like talking them down and Keith goes, I hate football and gets a laugh. What? There is no joke there. No. And I looked like, was this guy a celebrity? Was he like one of those people that just people liked and thus him speaking?
0: Not really. I looked him up as well. He's best known as playing Rick on Better Call Saul.
1: And as someone who's seen Better Call Saul, don't remember Rick.
0: He's, uh, the actor is just one of those that guy actors. He's got a ton of credits, but nothing I knew.
1: So, yeah, uh, it, it, he just gets a laugh, like, at an inappropriate time. The way that, like, Urkel would get a laugh when he said cheese. So, that kind of irked me.
0: There's a point where the two of them are just kind of, like, almost, like, I was getting the birdcage vibes. Like, I, I thought this was going into a really interesting place. Uh, because you know, initially, when Nathan Lane's character, something goes wrong in the show, Nathan Lane's character throws a tantrum. Yes. And then Armand has to come in. Robert Williams character yes. has to come in. Yeah, this is actually a really good point. <laughs> so I kind of had that thought of like, oh, is this? And Lacage, which is the play on which a uh, Lacage Fall was a play on which the later musical was based. And then the birdcage is based on the play, uh, so Lacage had long existed
1: because mm-hmm.
0: the birdcage is based on a play. Right. Uh, the musical is also based on a play. Right. Um, the same play. Understood. I digress.
1: I did get a feeling like, are these two lovers? I
0: I actually had that initial thought of, are they together, and it's just. Jerry is the Robin Williams character, Armand, and Keith is the Nathan Lane character, Albin. Mm-hmm. Because this this show was going to be really interesting. Because the late 80s would have been a very interesting time to tell a gay story like that on television. Right. uh, At the height of the AIDS crisis.
1: Right, very true.
0: So it would have been a really interesting time to tell a domestic gay story. Right, yeah. I thought this was turning into Uh, as you'll get into we are giving this show so much more thought and credit than any of the writers did (laughs) yes and there's one more thing
1: about this scene I want to uh, point out because it bothers me Uh, and I don't have the exact line in front of me but Jerry says something like it's always been you and I yeah and Keith responds you and me yeah that's the important thing for you and I to remember you and me. The three of us. <laughs> I don't know which is correct in that sense. I was like, wait, no, I think it is you and I. I, th- I don't know who's right and who's wrong. And they are going to establish that, that, that Keith uses perfect grammar throughout. Yeah. But I also think the perfect grammar he's using is incorrect. We're going to circle back to this. I
0: think it's always been you and me is correct. Because you wouldn't say it's always been I. Well, it's it's,
1: I is the subjective case and me is the predicate case or the objective case. So if it's after the verb, it's always been you and me. Yeah, because me, it's after being. So I guess Keith is correct in this case.
0: Yeah, because usually... Because
1: it would be, it would be, you and I went to the store, but since it's, it's the object of the preposition, or the object of the verb, it, or it's the object of it, it's, this is why you listen to Stay Doomed. Uh, it's always been, you, yeah, because that's the object. Okay, Keith is right. Keith is right. Keith and Laura. Keith and Laura are right. You and them.
0: I also hate football <laughs> so then
1: uh, we get the title sequence
0: uh, no we actually have more
1: oh is there more because the t- I have something to say about the title sequence if you have more to say before that end
0: no we actually we still have because we we realize that Jerry is trying to tell Keith oh, he's right. resigning mm-hmm. and we meet at this point at this point. This is when you realize Jerry's essentially a decoy protagonist. Yes. Uh, Because then we meet Dana Woodrow. Uh, Dana Woodrow is Laura Prince, but brunette. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This very hyper-competent entertainment admin type. And so we meet Dana, and then we get to the weird opening credits. Yes.
1: The weird opening credits, Usually, because we've seen a lot of pilots at this point. Yes. Usually, the opening credits are scenes from the pilot reused to like introduce all the characters. We don't get this for Lion's Den. It's kind of just a camera moving through a television studio. And because they're making a TV show. And I thought it was interesting that they had an independent kind of theme song for this. That was not just reused footage. It was other footage.
0: I mean, it was odd because it was it's a lot of strange pictures that don't make sense until it starts to come together. And you start to see Maynard's Den paraphernalia. Mm-hmm. Which means they started making stuff for the imaginary show. Within the show. Yes. And, uh, oh, Marsha Gay Harden is in this. Who's that? Uh, Marsha Gay Harden. I'm going to look up what she's best known for uh, because I'm never a great source Okay. for what people are actually known for. I have, here's the weird thing I know her from. Uh, she was Mrs. Carmody in the Mist. She's been in a lot of stuff. Okay. She's like a very... Uh, very prominent character actress. Okay. And I think character actress since all she had done a voice for BoJack Horseman. <laughs> so, but she's not, not Margaret Martindale. <laughs> right. Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: Uh,
0: if we're being honest, our audience probably knows her best from the Disney film Flower. Oh, okay. She's uh, the female lead. She's Dr. Sarah Jean Reynolds. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that's probably, I'm, weirdly, we are stacking Robin Williams references today. Yeah, odd. Um, He is so missed. Uh, So, it clearly created a lot of the ephemera for this show, which I found really interesting.
1: Yes. And this is going to come up again, because there's something even stranger that happens in this show that I want to talk about. So, just keep this in mind. So, now, uh, after this uh, intro...
0: Jerry is trying to console an anxious Dana. Yes. Who now is... Really, kind of getting the measure of the job she has apparently somehow already taken.
1: Yes, she has. She worked on another show. We'll get into that, and she has now found herself uh, replacing Jerry's uh, spot as executive producer, which I believe, associate associate. Producer. I keep making that mistake. Associate producer,
0: and so. Jerry's like, I'll go talk to him. Jerry goes in and we hear Jerry and Keith have a knockdown drag-out shouting match.
1: Yes. Uh, This is where we hear Keith yell, you hired whom? And I was like, is whom correct there? Yes. And it is. It is correct there. So, yeah, both of my grammar things, I'm just sitting here in my sea of wrongness as an English teacher.
0: Anyway. You are wrong, parfait. (laughs) So... Uh, Jerry then pops out and tells Dana Keith wants to see you and she does her best to be uh, charming and Keith is attempting to be affable and then informs Dana that Jerry was stealing puppet parts. Yes. Yeah. He he claims
1: that he fired Jerry. Yes. Because he wants to be in control. And she like talks about how she originally worked on a game show and Keith responds, I never watch TV. It's a stupid medium. <laughs> it's very funny.
0: Especially the, he's he's a puppeteer. Right. So it's not like he's doing, and he's also the puppeteer. He's not just the voice. Yes. So he's down there a lot.
1: Yeah. So then he starts, like, he has an argument with Dana. And then he starts talking with the lion, like using the lion to talk.
0: Well, he already, he starts with, why should I hire you? And she says, you already hired me. Yeah. Which I I kind of can't totally blame Keith here of like, your emotional support animal just passed you off to a different person and didn't tell you. Mm-hmm. Even though we established Jerry has been trying to tell him for some time. Uh, And we find out what she used to work on. Yes,
1: she used to work on a game show and then got fed up and stole the host's toupee and stuck it in, like, the siren that goes off when uh, contestants win. And Keith, through the puppet, goes, Oh, yes, I saw that episode.
0: I stole the MC's toupee and I... Stuffed it in the victory siren. <laughs> I saw that show. Every time somebody won, it went...
1: <gasps> <gasps> that
0: was me. I did it. So. And they kind of almost bond, even though he's already sexually harassed her. Because before this, yeah, yeah. she she's going to hug the puppet and he goes, Yeah, well, Maynard's getting a hug. I'll be copping a feel. Which is not even true. <laughs> Which would also... Get you fired on a lot of shit? To tell an associate producer that on her first day? Well,
1: I assume he's the other producer.
0: We don't know that.
1: Again, assume (laughs) that he's the other producer. Uh, But this is where I start. My note just says, is he insane? Because we established that Keith doesn't watch TV. Mm -hmm. And then the lion says, I watched that episode. Now, is Keith lying?
0: Yes, he's
1: pretentious. And then talking through the lion about his truth? Or are there separate personalities going on here? Strap in. Laura and I are going to disagree in a minute.
0: (laughs) Based on the rest of the episode, he's lying. Okay. Um... Because based on his actions throughout the rest of the episode, he does have moments of being just duplicitous out of spite. Yeah. And uh, she starts to, like, kind of bond with the puppet. And then Keith immediately ruins it. Yes. And then Kim, who is Marsha Gay Harden, who is a production assistant, comes in, drops off scripts... And hugs Maynard, the yes. lion, and Keith gives uh, Dana, like, a crap-eating grin. Yeah,
1: because he's copping a feel. Which, again, I would say, how is he copping a feel? Because, really, it's a le- there's less contact. Because all she's really doing is hugging his wrist while his other hand goes around her back. So, unless he's, like, into elbow-on-boob action, there's not really a feel being
0: copped. I digress. <laughs> so, okay. Um, Kim then shows her to her uh, her office, and her office is the prop room. Yes. And uh, we
1: we get a little bit about like there being two phones, which will be kind of
0: important later. Yes. Uh, and it's and- her boyfriend. It's Dana's boyfriend who yes, calls. Yes, Dana has a boyfriend. And Kim says, I'm sorry, but she's in a meeting right now.
1: <laughs> well, I doubt she'll be able to call you back later. She's um having lunch with Willie Nelson.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Bye. And the audience laughs. This mm-hmm. is a glorious laughter. Very funny. And then we meet Stan. Yes, yeah, Stan is the screenwriter. How, how familiar are y'all with Murphy Brown? Is that who that is? Oh, I don't know if that's who that is. That's who he makes me think of. Oh, okay, okay. I'm gonna find out now, though, because I don't know for sure that it's not.
1: Okay. Uh, but we get a screenwriter while she's, while Lara's Googling, uh, big, like, Ted from Scrubs energy of just, like, the sad sack of The, the Office. <laughs> That's going to just be down and constantly thinking he's getting fired throughout the series.
0: Believe it or not, it is not Miles from Murphy Brown playing this role. But I did have to look. Understood. Because it really seemed like... Mm -hmm. uh, He's exactly the same character. Like It seems like the next year they're like, oh yeah, let's just use him again. So... He's very anxious, says something to the effect of, we'd all be dead without Jerry. Oh, were you new? And Kim goes, she's taking over for Jerry. Oh, God.
1: (laughs) That was a good, like, establishment.
0: Yeah, I thought they do an okay job with him. Mm -hmm. And then Keith comes in. Yes. And he tricks her into using the wrong phone and says, trust yeah. me.
1: The one on the right. Trust me. Thank you. And he kind of laughs at himself and disappears. Like he kind of just lurks on the stairs and watches as uh, Newton shows up, who is the fundraiser for the show. And, this I think would be a fun character throughout a series. Yeah. He's trying to get advertising in on the show, which is illegal.
0: Yeah, this is it's illegal on public television to do advertising, and he tries to claim it's educational.
1: Yes, because he wants the lion to wear a shirt for like cereal. Ribs. For ribs, that's what it is for ribs. Lions eat ribs. Uh, It's very fun. It's very fun. Uh, He's like, he's kind of like a cowboy
0: character. Yeah. He's
1: he's like a Texan. So like, we got some colorful characters here and he's taking classes on how to be like, how to be a charlatan is what he's really taking classes on, but they dress it up as something else.
0: Well, he's trying to learn how to be like a real estate mogul Mm -hmm. but it's in that very peak get rich quick scheme era Mm -hmm. so it's clearly a get rich quick scheme so
1: he offers
0: uh to dana to
1: stay at his house he can stay at this home give him a great deal it's already like furnished furnished (laughs) furnished uh it's you know you could do it. And he walks off, and Keith returns and says, Don't take that house. Trust me. That's some free advice. Take the apartment. The apartment? Yeah. Wait, are you saying I shouldn't rent Newton's house? Trust me. And because of what happened earlier, we believe, oh, trust me is like his I'm pranking you word? Yeah. So Dana takes the house. And then, in my opinion, the most insane thing happens. (laughs) She goes to this house and she turns the light on and the furniture's hideous. The walls are like lime green and like the main light is like one of those fluorescent bar lights. Yeah. That are like flashing. And that's the punchline. And then we're back at work the next day. That was an entire set
0: that was used for less than a minute. I will say that set was probably relatively inexpensive. Right. Because the whole point is that the furniture sucks. And we'll get to that. If the show was picked up, they were clearly going to change it. Yes. That's the other thing. Uh, So, well, we'll get, like, my thought, we'll get to it a little bit more when that happens, mm -hmm. but my thought was they wanted to make the set as ugly as possible, so they just used scraps from other shows. Okay. Just whatever they could put together for next to nothing. It just surprised me
1: that a show that really, based on the story, could be set entirely at the TV station. That they took the time to construct an ugly house set for less than 60 seconds of this uh, pilot boggles my mind. Like, what a waste of money. And on top of that, my first thought was, well, just take the bar light down and the rest of that place is fine.
0: I mean, I, I had the thought of like, to me, it was very, very clear How they were handling that. Okay. Uh, To me, they set it up in a way that I'm like, oh, okay. They're going to clearly create a way to change the set. And this is the ugly version. Mm -hmm. So we then get to the next day and she hates the house and she confronts Newton about wanting her money back. Yes. And Newton goes like, nope, it's all in your lease in black and white.
1: Mm -hmm. And then they read the lease. Uh, And it turns out that Newton had mixed up the words "leasee" and leesor.
0: Yes. Two things, though. It means she also signed it wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: But yeah, so the confusion is that she's actually the one leasing the house to Keith. Or not to Keith, to Newton, and yes. says, like, if you don't fix the furniture, I'm kicking you out of your <laughs> house that I'm renting.
0: Which is why I thought, like, oh, okay, I think that set was made of scraps. I think that set was made out of, what else is filming today? Can we just use, like, that couch and that bar light and that...
1: I, I just, it felt more insane because to me that just means... That we're never seeing that set again. Because when we go back, it's going to look entirely different. I think it was a borrowed set. Yeah, maybe it's a borrowed set and that's why they did it that way. Is because like we can't use this set again. So let's just say that next time if we ever have to go back to her home, it's entirely different.
0: Yeah, I think it's a borrowed set that's dressed badly on purpose. With the setup that it's all going to have to look different if the show gets picked up. I actually sense. I thought it was really brilliant, actually. I thought it was very clever. Well... I
1: guess I'm just wrong again. And to whomever out there is enjoying my sea of wrongness, I'll just sit here and eat my wrong parfait.
0: So we're then filming in the lion's den. And uh, one of the uh, stagehands misses a cue to blast confetti in through the window after Maynard says, like, Not very often does a parade pass by my domicile. Yes. And Keith throws a tantrum and quits again.
1: Yes, it's a very similar speech on purpose with very similar blocking. Six years. And the only one who ever cared if it was any good besides me was Jerry. And now he's gone. And you're incompetent. And I'm the chump. Well, no more. Uh-uh. I am out of this thankless snake heap of a business once and for all. <laughs> like, he, he opens the door the same way and he yells something very similar. And then, this I find interesting, they all just kind of look at Dana. And Dana goes, well, I guess that's a wrap for the day. Yeah. And they all are like, "Okay, let's go to Jerry's uh, going away party." And Keith comes back in and is kind of like, "Where is everybody?" And Dan's like, "You threw a a tantrum." He's like, "Yeah, but you know." You quit? Why
0: keep them here? I'm not wasting their time. He's like, "Yeah, but I do that all the time." And so you realize, so you quit show business before? (laughs) Like once or twice a week, I think he says. And it's this great moment where Keith realizes that Dean, Dana's not going to comfort and coddle him the way Jerry did. He's going to get called to the carpet for his bad behavior.
1: Which, yeah, I think is is cool because it shows growth in, like, the change of the circumstances and things like that. It also is interesting to me because they made it so clear earlier in the episode that this is something Keith does all the time and that the crew is used to it. Yeah, When he throws this tantrum and Dana says, like, I guess that's it for the day, not one member of the crew says he does this all the time to Dana. They all just take the opportunity to not have to work anymore. It's almost like Keith is the only one who cares about this show and the quality of this show, and this crew doesn't give it to him.
0: I mean, to be entirely fair to the crew... If you are constantly in a hostile work environment from one very diva-ish performer, how much do you like your job? If you have to go in and you know two out of five days, Keith is going to lose it for something entirely innocent and arbitrary.
1: True, true.
0: Because yeah, also, it, it's also yes. I'm wrong again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's also noted in this uh, exchange that the reason the confetti wasn't thrown is because the script says home and not domicile.
0: So Jake was waiting for the correct keyword and it never came. Mhm. Dana said, "What would it have taken for you to say the word home?" And Keith says Keith kind of sheepishly admits if the script had said domicile.
1: Yeah, like he's being difficult on purpose because that's who he is.
0: So Keith Admits that he really liked Jerry and he's bummed out and Jerry even sat with him and listened to every Beatles album the night Keith's brother died. Yes. Like this, that he's lashing out because he's in mourning, which, what was his excuse prior to that? I don't know. Like, oh, he's lashing out because he's in mourning. Okay, well, he's been terrible this whole time.
1: Uh, So... Y- We cut to the party and everyone's saying goodbye to Jerry and Keith refuses to go because he doesn't want Jerry to go. Because they're lovers. (laughs) And Jerry finds a gift.
0: That is unsigned with no card.
1: No, No card and he opens it up and it's every Beatles album because Jerry sat with Keith And listen to all the Beatles albums the night Keith's brother died.
0: And then Dana walks out and walks back into the soundstage to see Maynard. The lion. Like, up in where he usually is. And she has a conversation with Maynard a little bit. Where she's like, you know, he really liked you too. You should really go say goodbye to him. And like, they kind of have a back and forth. And they kind of reach an understanding And then Keith says something faintly lecherous to her. Yeah. And she just spills water, not on Maynard, over the ledge onto Keith. Onto Keith. And he goes, ah! She goes, oh, I'm sorry. I never do that on purpose. Trust Trust me. me. I was like, that that
1: was a nice little well-written through line throughout all of this. And in the end, we don't get to see Keith say goodbye to Jerry. Yeah. That is something we are denied, and basically we are left with, every week, this is going to be the dynamic, is Dana dealing with man-child Keith and his puppet, trying to keep this show going, with the Texan fundraiser, and the sad sack screenwriter, and the awesome props master, Kim... (laughs)
0: I got the impression she was a PA, like yeah. a production assistant. She was
1: great. <laughs> She's just awesome at stuff.
0: She, like, I liked Kim for the same reason I liked Dana. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, they, they're both pieces of my personality yeah. in a way that I'm like, Aw. Uh I had the bad feeling that uh, Keith and Dana would eventually become involved.
1: Of course. Like, they had to set up that there was a boyfriend, so it wasn't, like, obvious where they were going. But, like, throughout the course of this series... The the boyfriend would have broken up with Dana. Dana would have then been single. Keith would have comforted her, and then it would have been a
0: will they, won't they story. Yeah, uh, it's really, really obvious that yes. they were they were going to go in that direction.
1: When you watch a lot of TV pilots like me and Laura do, we can pick up on stuff like that. That being said, I'm about to say something insane. Okay. They kept bringing up this dead brother a lot. (laughs) I think... Oh my God. The dead brother was the puppet.
0: Oh, that he's like starting to project that? Yes.
1: Whether it was like, he's, he's insane or he's just like, the puppet was something my brother liked and now I'm keeping... My brother's spirit alive by controlling this lion. Or if they were full going to be like, I don't talk for him. (laughs) I am just Keith. This is my brother. He's a puppet now. But I really feel like that was going to get tied in somewhere in this.
0: I mean, all right. That's unfortunately probably true. Because, like,
1: a dead brother appearing in the pilot makes me think it's a through line. Like, because a dead brother is something you could pull out later in a series, being like, his brother's dead, and, like, that's why. Like, a reveal. But the fact that it's an important plot point in the pilot made me think, like, Are they going to pull some shenanigans if this show continued?
0: I mean, I think that they were also, they're going to use that as his excuse for a lot of his behavior. Like it was going to become, Oh, this is why he was like that. Mm. And then sort of that aspect of grief as a crutch and like as an excuse for why he's so terrible. Right. Um, uh, I don't like it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't like it either, but I was like, that. I could totally see that happening in a show like this. Uh, but that's the end of the episode. Do you have any, any thoughts or trivia you wanted to bring up about this?
0: No, I thought it was so interesting that it was so similar in a lot of ways to Puppet Man. Yes. Of someone connecting with a kind of stunted individual who can really only honestly communicate the a puppet.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so I thought that was a really interesting thing for those to only wear air like eight weeks apart.
1: Yeah, so odd. Uh, I would say that I enjoyed Puppet Man more than this one.
0: I actually feel the opposite. I enjoyed really? the show more. Um, I liked... I liked more people in this one. And I liked that he doesn't get away with being terrible. Like Dana is not letting him be like this. This is very... Puppet Man kind of got away with being like this. And now it's like, oh, the kid's going to develop a weird complex of... He's going to think this puppet's his dad.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Like... Puppet Man was a family sitcom with puppets. Almost more of like a dramedy. Oh yeah, dramedy type thing. This is a workplace comedy. With puppets. And they both are just about making a show. But Puppet Man is more about the relationship of the show to children. Mm -hmm. Rather than this, which is the uh, conflicts that arise in creating a show like this.
0: I I liked that this was the show within a show. I think that behind the scenes of a puppet show is just something people really like to delve into. Mm -hmm. Because... Rule of Threes, Death to Smoochie. Yes. Bringing up that, like, behind the scenes of a children's TV show. It's
1: one of my favorite movies.
0: And that's sort of what I was thinking about of the adult situations behind a child's TV show. Yeah. I liked this better than I liked Puppet Man.
1: Interesting. I I think the puppets were better in Puppet Man.
0: I think you're right. I think... I think the puppet man puppets were Jim Henson's. It, exactly, it was yeah. the Lost
1: Hans- Henson project. Yeah. Uh and this was was not. Uh but I don't think I I'm kind of on the fence on this one. I think it had all the right elements of a good TV show, but I don't think any of them are special enough to be like this should go to series
0: give it a stay tuned because I think this could find its way.
1: Yeah, like, I think the potential is there, but, like, I bet you if I took the time to look at, like, the new shows that came out in 1998, or no, 1987 and 1988, I would see why this was passed on versus other things that actually came out. Uh, But, like... There's nothing really wrong with it. it's just its gimmick doesn't really ignite a better interest in what is a standard workplace comedy.
0: Yeah, I really ma- I did enjoy it. I will say
1: I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it at all uh, I'll give it I'll give it a stay tuned, but just just barely, just because we have a binary rating system. <laughs>
0: A new series uh, in the 1987 fall season is Dolly, which featured Dolly Parton. So you're not getting rid of that. Yeah. Uh, Buck James, an American medical drama, uh, which would be eligible for coverage. Okay. Uh, America's Most Wanted debuted that year. My Two Dads. Are these all that network too or no? No, these are various networks. Okay. Uh, I'm just kind of going for what, because CBS picked it up to air for Summer Playhouse. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean CBS, CBS probably bought whatever didn't get bought.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. But like, comparing this to like, My Two Dads. Yeah. Like, yeah, My Two Dads is a better show than this.
0: Uh, Day by Day, which is about uh, a family who opens an in-home daycare. Okay. And then Frank's Place? Eisenhower and Lutz? Uh, Which also bombed. Uh, Eisenhower and let's start Scott Bakula.
1: Was it a comedy?
0: Yes, he is uh, just a crappy lawyer.
1: Oh, all right. (laughs)
0: Uh, As Wikipedia says, he's an ambulance-chasing lawyer.
1: Okay. I mean, I would say as a TV executive, laughing at a bad lawyer is something more relatable than laughing at a prima donna puppeteer. In terms of, like, relatability.
0: Uh, Frank's Place, which has actually been ranked on the Cancelled Too Soon list. TV Guide's 2013 list of shows that were cancelled too soon. Hmm. Other new shows that year include Full House. Yeah, Full House I would definitely do instead of this show. The Wonder Years. I would do
1: that show instead of this show.
0: Uh, Jake and the Fat Man. Thirty something.
1: Thirty something. Okay.
0: Uh, Hooperman.
1: Hooperman. I don't remember. Hanging with Mr. Hooperman. No.
0: Because <laughs> it's hanging with Mr. Cooper. Uh, a different world.
1: Oh, uh, a different world. I like. I loved a different world. Well, I don't I know just, why, but I. Did I was like laughing because it, it was like
0: the third or fourth like big <laughs> sitcom that started the same year, mm-hmm. which is why I laughed. I'm like, oh, that's the. The sitcom Family Double Dare was airing in primetime in this era. So there was a lot of stiff competition for sitcoms in particular from the look of it. And I'm guessing there's a, you know, there's a limited number of sitcoms that can get picked up.
1: Yeah. Like I was saying, like, there's nothing inherently wrong about this, but I I could see there being better pilots than this that got greenlit. Like, there's nothing in this that makes me go oh, I need 12 more episodes of this. I was like, I, if another episode came on and this show came on after a show I was already invested in, I'd probably watch it. But that's about as far as I'd go with this. So uh, I'm giving it a stay tuned. But again, just because we have a binary rating system.
0: I'm giving it a stay tuned because this seems like a show that could have found its way mm-hmm. without changing too, too much. I don't think it even needs to be the virtue of the game over rule. Right. Uh, I think this could have found its way.
1: Yeah. Like it's not so much about changing the show, it's just like once the it needs to get going. Yeah. Is basically what we're saying. So that's gonna do it for Lion's Den. Now, we gotta have a little chat. People at home. Gentle listeners. Gentle listeners, grave robbers. Uh next week, this was this was episode one ninety nine. Oh my yeah, God. the Travis Pastrana episode. And that means that the next episode is supposed to be 200. And I was like, I know what we're supposed to do. We've been saying we're going to do the cape, but we have MagFest coming up. So we'll do a on the road and then we'll do uh, the cape. And then I realized that MagFest is not this weekend. It's next weekend. And I was like, oh, everything's messed up. So, with MAGFest coming up, I don't know if we will successfully be able to do the cape. The cape's also going to be multiple parts. Yes. Surprise. Uh, So, I'm going to let you know what might happen next week and leave you guys on the edge of your seats. Uh, Next week, maybe the cape. Or... We might do episode 200 as a full Stay Doomed retrospective. Yes. Where we look back at all of the events of Stay Doomed. We've done a few um, season where we look back. We do the postmortems, but But instead of doing a postmortem, this would be a celebration of yeah. 200 episodes. And we'd look back on all of our work. Uh, There's also a chance that if we need to do something shorter due to time constraints uh, with uh, our upcoming tour, uh, that's what I like to call them, uh, that we might need to do something a little bit similar, or or, uh, something smaller, rather. Uh, So we might do uh, a little chat about Matt, Pat?
0: Yeah, I'm formally ending the I hate Matt Pat bit mm-hmm. uh, because I do respect Matt. I think yes. I've softened it a lot. Yes, uh, because I I don't hate that person. I just really liked the bit of it. Hating. It was a
1: good bit. It was a good bit because I was impassioned about my love for Matt Pat, uh, and it was it was a thing that people would talk to us when we were on tour. Yes, like people would want to talk to us about our conflicting feelings towards Matt Pat. Uh, but as we sit here to uh, record this, maybe like four hours ago, uh, MatPat announced his upcoming retirement from the Theorist channels. Uh, so we might just uh, sit down and t- chat MatPat for a little bit. Chat MatPat. Chat MatPat. Uh,
0: either way, I think we're going to spend next week really discussing the nature of content and content creation mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And I'm looking forward to that. Yes,
1: uh, whatever we decide to do next week, <laughs> the, the week after, uh, we'll be in On the Road with Plus Two Comedy because we have to go to MAGFest. Come see us at MAGFest. We'll
0: be at MAGFest. 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 Where can people find us besides MAGFest? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at staydoomed.
1: And you can also check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash plus two comedy. And you can also check me out. I'm plus two comedy on X.
0: Oh, usually you do the. If you're gonna,
1: yeah, I didn't because I did the the the, um, the plug for the Patreon. If you want to talk to me about how that puppet was totally that guy's dead brother, I'm at TV's Noah on Instagram.
0: If you want to laugh at the fact that Noah completely autopiloted into how he signs off his Twitch streams, and that's where he started to go in the. Uh, that's that's how he started to cut off his own sign off. I'm at Priorities. Until next time, stay doomed. Boop.